The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I am glad to have all of you listening to us today. We're very glad that you're joining us. We love hearing from you, seeing your comments on Facebook, and uh, hearing from you, and we're glad to know that what we're doing here on The Spirit of Recovery is making a real difference to you in your life and in your recovery. We also are grateful that you're letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your spiritual communities know about Spirit of Recovery. I love broadcasting on this topic. I always am able to bring you wonderful guests who are practical, who are down to earth, and who have uh, either work with recovering people or who are recovering people themselves or sometimes a a combination of that. And they're always bringing topics that really uh, help you in your recovery and help you to keep growing and deepening yourself and your spirituality. Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and so we want you to know that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member or you're a family member or friend of someone with the disease of addiction or you're simply somebody that's curious about recovery and you just would like to hear what it's all about, know that we welcome you and we welcome your participation in our discussions. We want you to be aware also that there are multiple ways to listen to Spirit of Recovery. You can be listening uh, to us live through your computer or through your smartphone. You can also access our archived programs at any time by going to www.unity.fm backslash program backslash spirit of recovery so there are lots of ways to listen either live or through the archive programs and we invite you to access all of those ways again my name is anna schaus and i'm your spirit of recovery host i'm a unity minister and a recovery counselor also i'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction And many years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of recovery, of personal growth, and spiritual development. 
And my walk is an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles. And that spirituality uh, has just transformed my life in amazing ways, and it keeps transforming it, and it keeps me growing. So thank you for listening, and thank you for giving me the opportunity here today to do what I love and to share about these ideas and uh, to have the privilege of talking with guests that we have here on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you again for listening, um, and we love to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and in your recovery. Today we're talking about the topic of finding our sense of self. And my guest today is Sandra Felt, and that is F-E-L-T, and she says it's felt like the fabric. So Sandra Felt is a licensed clinical social worker. She's in private practice in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and she has worked for over 30 years, primarily with people who are in recovery from addictions and who may also be healing from trauma of any kind. And Sandra conducts workshops and she speaks at various national conferences on subjects that are related to strengthening the sense of self. And she clearly views this concept of sense of self as the deeper and underlying layer of of what it takes to heal from trauma and to heal from addiction. Sandra is also a survivor herself of childhood trauma, and she knows from the inside out what it takes to reclaim and develop a sense of self. So she is going to be sharing with us, uh, from the, to me, that most wonderful place, which is from her own heart and her own experiences, as well as from her clinical and professional experience in working with other people. Sandra writes poetry. She plays in a women's bluegrass band called the Grass Hat Gals, and she's writing a book titled Beyond the Good Girl Jail, When You Dare to Really Listen to Yourself. And so if you'd like to know more about the book and how to get a copy of it when it's published, you can email Sandra, and her email address is Sandra Felt, S-A-N-D-R-A-F-E-L-T, at questoffice.net, and that's Q-W-E-S-T office.net. And I'll repeat that again later in the program. So, Sandra, thank you for joining us here today on Spirit of Recovery. Well, thank you, Anna. It's my privilege. We're, we're glad you're here. I uh, met Sandra back in May when she was presenting at a U.S. Journal conference uh, training, which they conduct a lot of trainings for recovery and uh, mental health professionals. And Sandra was uh, presenting workshops on the sense of self, and it sure grabbed my attention, and I can sure relate to it both personally and from my vantage point as a minister and a person who is a recovery counselor. So, Sandra, tell us what is the sense of self and why is it so important? Good questions. Um, Most people experience the sense of self as a persistent little voice inside of them that just will not go away, just refuses to be ignored. Um, It comes up in some surprising ways and... We never quite know what it's going to tap us on the shoulder and and say. Uh, For some, it's a fiery ball of energy inside. For some, it's a light or a tiny glowing ember. Um, It invites us more, always invites us toward our aliveness, Um, never destructive. There are other voices in there sometimes, but... Um, this is not the voice that says, oh, go take somebody's head off. Or, you know, it's um, always 
positive and, um, like I say, toward aliveness. It's our truth, our deepest truth that will not go away. Um, I also describe it as, as the glue that integrates our body, mind, and spirit. It integrates our experiences to help us make sense out of our life. Um, and it integrates the past with the present. It's kind of what helps us make sense out of our life as the years go by and we have a variety of experiences. But it's also the part of us that no one can ever destroy. No matter how much trauma we've gone through in our lifetime, um, I hear this all the time from trauma survivors, there, there was just some little piece of them that nobody could ever quite get to, no matter how controlling they were or how shaming they might have been. There was something in there, that piece of us that goes on no matter what happens. It's important because, wow, what would we do without it? Um, Like I say, no one can destroy it, but it sure is a helpful thing to have around and have well-developed because it helps us be loving, it helps us take risks, it helps us be playful, um, it helps us what most people call know who we are or know what our purpose is in life, what are the things that are uniquely us. Um, And without that, we run into trouble. We have difficulties in life. Uh, um, when it's, I, I see it as a developmental issue. It's mm-hmm. not like there's a, a diagnosis for this in the um, statistical manual for therapists, but it's, it's kind of what I call the underbelly of healing from trauma or addictions um, because it's what we eventually get to. The sense of self is the part of us that goes on um, in recovery that goes on beyond therapy. It's, it's who feels sad. It's who's happy. It's who needs to be alone today or um, whatever our own particular sense of self might be bringing to us. How did you first become aware of sense of self? Well, I had a rather vivid experience, I must say. I call these things awakening moments because um, they really do get our attention and I'd be happy to share more of them as we go along here. But the first one that I was aware of, um, when I think about it, if somebody else had told me this story, I wouldn't have thought it was any particularly big deal. But my own experience was that it was huge and it really took my life in a different direction. I was um, at a party with some, my husband and some other couples, and um, I was mostly talking with this same small group of women, and we were doing all the, the usual surface kind of um, chatting. We had talked about clothes and shopping and our kids and um, the weather and <laughs> food, who knows what else. Um, And then this one woman turned to me. We were kind of at the end of all those discussions, and she turned to me and she said, and I can still hear her voice in my head, and what have you been doing lately, Sandy? 
And then there was this long pause as she waited for my answer. And inside of me, I just froze. I just, I couldn't talk. I couldn't answer that question. Um, I could hear it, but I could see I should say something. But I did not know how to answer that question. She said, you. And I didn't know there was a me in there to be doing things. I didn't feel permission to be doing things that I wanted to do. Um, My life, I thought, was all about being a good wife, a good mother, a good daughter, taking care of other people, serving them. And the feeling was there wasn't any me in there. There If there had been, there was no me left. There was just nothing in there. But I got the message that maybe there could be, maybe there should be. Mm-hmm. What happened next for you? Did did you start embarking on some self knowledge or some practices, or what? How did that? Be, what did you begin to do next? Well, I began to take a little more time to myself. For one thing, I began to give myself permission to hire babysitters. <laughs> And then I didn't know what to do with myself. But I gradually um, started doing more things, making more friends, doing more things with other people. Um, I started running. I uh, eventually got myself into therapy and dealing with uh, my childhood incest that I had experienced. Um, But I'd like to read you this poem that pretty well describes uh, the sense of self. and what it means to people. It's called What If. What if there really is a me inside, a me who is all me and mine, a unique set of quirks and qualities to claim and develop, to live from and through and be? What if I already have the right and enough room to be who I am? What if I'm already here? capable of living my own life? What if I'm actually meant to be this me I already am, my piece of the universal puzzle? What if it's truly okay to dance, to dance in the daffodils, fully expressing all that is and all that oozes through me? What if I refuse to miss the possibilities of my own truth? Thank you. It's beautiful. How is it that trauma disconnects a person from that, from what you've just described? I mean, that's so beautiful and it's so natural. I think, you know, we can see that's who we are, but we do get separated from that. Or how does, how does it happen? Most of us did. <laughs> Most mm-hmm. of us did. There was a few people around who've always known who they were, and I have so much admiration for them. But most of us um, made a shift, and I believe that it happens quite early in life. When, when, if you look at this as a developmental issue, we're born only knowing ourselves, and everything seems to be a part of us, like mom, for example. She's just part of me. And we get a little bit older, we realize that mommy is separate from us. 
she can go away and she can come back and I'm still okay, things like that. And then we become more aware of other people. And we would still have our sense of self intact and be able to live from it um, um, if um, certain things had not happened. Um, mostly it's being ignored. There's, you know, there are all kinds of trauma, but the piece of trauma that I believe affects the sense of self so much and its development is being ignored, particularly at key times. I can't tell you how many clients I've heard say, well, I tried to tell somebody uh, what was happening to me and they acted like it was all right or they didn't do anything. Or um, maybe I never told, but I was so overpowered, so controlled in some kind of a situation, so shamed what happens in these experiences is that a reference point shifts to other people. And partly because that's where our safety is, we realize our safety is up to somebody else. Our okayness is up to somebody else. So we have to go on guard and make sure we know what's going on out there with everybody else and be able to please them and keep them happy so that we can be safe. So there's our shift. We shift from inside of us and listening in there and living from there to living out there, attaching ourselves to other people, pleasing them, being afraid of anger from other people, things like that. It's an important moment, but the good news is we can come back home. We can make that shift back as we become aware of it and strengthen our sense of self. This is kind of a, a silly question in a way, but not silly. Where does the sense of self go in those times uh, when we are focused, focused outward? And does it ever present itself to us at all, even in early times, even when it might not be safe in an environment, when we're very vulnerable? Well, certainly it does present itself, but uh, we learn to shut it down or lock it up, um, ignore it as we've been taught to do. Um, it can go anywhere. Uh, I always say mine was hiding out in my armpit, waiting for me to rediscover it, which seems like a pretty silly place to be. Um, I had another client who said hers was in her feet because people were always pulling the rug out from under her when she was a child, and that's where she needed to be, to be really alert. Other people feel it in their heart, or their diaphragm, their gut, somewhere in their core. It really can be anywhere when it's hiding and small. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As, as it gets stronger, I, I do believe most people feel it in their core, in their center. Um, but it does vary from person to person. We do want it inside our body, though. Occasionally I run into somebody who's got their sense of self sitting out on their shoulder or something. So. Mm-hmm. We want to We're going to have home. to, great, hang on to that thought. We're going to have to take a break right now, but we'll be right back. Thank you, okay. Sandra.
It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. When you pray, do you wonder if anyone is listening? What should and can you ask of God? Why aren't your prayers being answered? Prayer is a challenge for many of us. Now there's a new book that can help deepen your understanding. Based on his 35 years in ministry, author Jim Rosemurgy has developed a prayer and meditation practice called The Gathering. In just 40 days, The Gathering will become your foundation for a genuine, ever-deepening experience of God's imminent presence and unlimited power. You'll understand that God can't fulfill your needs, but your needs can be met. You'll see that prayer isn't something you do. It's something you experience. Explore Jim Rosemurgy's new book, The Gathering, a 40-day guide to the power of group and personal prayer. Available now at www.unitybooks.org. Unity Online Radio is turning five this year, and we're throwing the biggest bash of all, a cruise to the Caribbean. November 10 through 17, 2012, we'll celebrate in style aboard Holland America Line's Eurodam with sunshine, fine dining, and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the Eastern Caribbean. Plus, feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation. Your favorite hosts will be there, and we hope you will join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, visit www.unity.fm forward slash cruise. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., if you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is finding our sense of self. And my guest is Sandra Felt, and that's F-E-L-T. Sandra is a licensed clinical social worker in private practice uh, in Colorado Springs, Colorado. She's been in practice for 30 years, working primarily with people who are in recovery from addiction and healing from trauma of all kinds. And she presents at national conferences and workshops, and she focuses on those subjects of uh, strengthening the sense of self, and Sandra views this as the deeper underlying issue that's underneath um, our recovery and how important and key it is. Sandra is also a survivor herself of childhood trauma, and she knows from the inside out what it takes to reclaim and to develop the sense of self. So she's been uh, sharing with us some really uh, important ideas about sense of self 
and what it's all about and how we can strengthen that. But before I get back to my conversation with Sandra, I invite you to join me for a very brief meditation, joining me for our Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to take a breath, and feel relaxation from the crown of your head all the way through your body, and share with me this idea. I love and nurture my authentic self. I hear my authentic voice speaking to me. I love and nurture my authentic self. I hear my authentic voice speaking to me. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And so now I'm back talking with my guest, Sandra Felt, about our topic, Finding Our Sense of Self. And just before the break, um, Sandra, you were talking about uh, how we do begin to locate that sense of self and how it can sort of be in, in, a, in different ways for different people, how we can experience it. And you have uh, written, or you're in the process of writing a book called Beyond the Good Girl Jail, When You Dare to Really Listen to Yourself. That's an intriguing title. <laughs> What's behind that? Well, we were just talking about um, how the sense of self, when it's little like that and it's not acceptable in our childhood environment, how it gets locked up in somewhere um, kind of behind a cement wall almost. Well, I call that the good girl jail, not to exclude men in any way because certainly I've met many men who deal with the same issue. It's not a women's issue alone. Um, So that's what the good girl jail is all about. And the key to developing our sense of self and strengthening it is learning to listen to it. And for that, we need to learn its language, how it speaks to us, um, and we need to pay attention. And um, I call these moments awakening moments when it comes and taps us on the shoulder, so to speak. Usually it's like a tap on the shoulder, kind of, gentle and and almost subtle. On the other hand, sometimes it's more like a two-by-four upside the head where it just really confronts us. But the bottom line about that is it's surprising. It comes in a way that has to be a surprise in order to get our attention. If it came in the way of all our ordinary everydayness, we wouldn't even notice it. So it's it's something unusual. And we can recognize it because there's something about it that just clinks into place. I, I kind of see it like a 30,000-piece puzzle, and we get one of these awakening moments. We get another piece in the puzzle, and it fits, and it makes sense out of our life, and it doesn't go away. It's a, a piece of truth that, that stays with us. I've had lots of these experiences now, and, and I've seen a lot of them in my clients as well. So I'd like to share some of those. I think it's one of the best ways to teach about identifying a sense of self in action. Right. Uh, one, of the, one of the weirdest, <laughs> I'll tell you the weirdest one first. <laughs> one of the weirdest was a time when I was at, Hot Springs, uh, which is a series of caves with hot water, natural hot water in them. 
And I'd been in the pools, and I got too hot. So I climbed out and was trying to go away from the people to find a cooler place to lie down for a little bit and, and cool off. So I'm lying on this massage table in a little room I found all by myself, and I'm just lying there and cooling off, and it feels good. And all of a sudden, I feel like I can't move my body. And my head goes, oh, you can move your body. Just pick up your leg. Pick up your arm. But the experience was I couldn't move my body. And then I heard this voice, and it said, is this what you really want? And I, of course, looked around to see if somebody was talking to me, and second reaction was feeling crazy. And once I got beyond that, I said, well, no, this is not what I really want. I need to be able to move my body. And the voice said, this is the path you are on. You're on a path that will lead you to feeling frozen or immobilized, whatever the word was it used at the time. Um, But you have a choice. You don't have to do this. And I was talking about rheumatoid arthritis, which is the dreaded disease in my family, Um, the only disease that I'd been scared about having inherited. So it got my attention that way. And I'm going, what do you mean I have a choice? Quick, tell me what the choice is. (laughs) And what it said to me was, you need to deal with your anger. And then it went away. And I'm going, what do you mean I need to deal with my anger? What do I need to do with it? And I had a million questions. But I never forgot that. It was like, I have a choice. I can deal with my anger or I can develop rheumatoid arthritis over the years. And I'm not saying everybody who doesn't deal with their anger develops rheumatoid arthritis or that that's the cause of rheumatoid arthritis. It was what fit for me in that particular instance. And I learned to deal with my anger. I didn't even know I was angry at the time, but I found a lot of anger, and I learned to work through it and deal with it and do it appropriately and effectively. Mm -hmm. Another one that, that was so dramatic, I was going to move to another town. Boulder here in Colorado. And I was all excited about it. I already started seeing clients up there. I already had some friends up there. I already had a friend who wanted to buy my house here in Colorado Springs. And it just seemed like I was being called to do that. That felt like my sense of self calling me to Boulder. And then one day, I just fell apart. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and so I didn't even know what I was crying about at the time but I let myself cry and pretty soon again I heard a voice which I don't always hear with these things but um, this voice was pretty clear it said you don't have to you just you don't have to and I'm going I don't have to what (laughs) but it was clear to me pretty quickly you don't have to move to Boulder you already have what you need. And I cried some more, but I came out of that experience and walked through my house and walked around my neighborhood, and I did indeed already have my home. I already had what I needed. And moving to Boulder was going to be way too big a project, and it didn't fit me the way what I already had, but I'd never claimed the house I lived in as mine. 
which then I could do and rearrange it and redecorate it the way that really fit me. So both of those were pretty life-changing um, experiences. The third one, if I have time to share this sure. one, yeah. um, writing this book. I mean, oh my goodness. I have fought writing this book for forever, for decades. When I look back on it, I didn't realize for a long time that I needed to write a book. But the, the ideas, the experiences with the sense of self, everything, I, I can look back now and see like all these experiences brought me to this task of writing this book. It's mine to write. But I, as I always say, I, I wrestled it to the ground. I locked it in the closet. I threw it away. I gave it up. I tried to let it go. You know, just all kinds of variations of that, not wanting to write a book because I thought it would change my life in ways I didn't want. And then finally, a few years ago, I just surrendered. I was like, this book won't go away. It just will not go away. It's obviously mine to write for whatever reason or wherever it takes me next. So I've had some pretty big ones. And other people have those moments. Sometimes they just say, I just knew I needed to do this. That's a real common one. They don't know why, but they know they need to do something, make a particular choice, and it always feels right on the inside, even if it might be scary because it's something new and maybe breaking the rules of the good girl jail. So uh, those are some of the experiences I've had. Also took me to playing upright bass in a bluegrass band, which has been pretty wild. <laughs> so my life has changed a lot listening to this voice within, as it does for other people. It takes us to being more playful and taking bigger risks and feeling more solid on the inside and having more fun, for sure. It's worth it. Yeah, you know, you uh, what you've described is some people would call that spirituality, and obviously there's kind of a, a long history of confusion in religion, and sometimes it's almost seemed like religion has been the enemy of the self and all this and that. How do you conceptualize spirituality in terms of sense of self? Well, the sense of self is spiritual, I think. But I get what I hear is so much confusion around it, just like you're talking about depends on the language that we've grown up with, the language that we use. Some people don't see it as spiritual. They don't experience it as spiritual. They might think it's part of their mind or their heart or whatever other language. And I don't press the issue on that. But my own experience is that it is spiritual, not in the religious sense, of, um, but in the terms of God as we understand God in 12-step program or um, spiritual in the sense of a direct connection with the universe, whatever language people want to use for that. So I don't push the language about it so much. I'm most comfortable calling it sense of self. Um, But there are lots of words and phrases used to describe it, that's for sure. Do you think that that most people um, are 
I don't know how to phrase this, but I guess a lot of people probably never listen or ne- they never hear it or they never go there. What What do you think is the barrier to when people don't want to pay attention? Why don't they want to? It's like we would all want this. Many of us have been well-trained to obey other people's rules and follow other people's expectations to please them. And listening to the sense of self challenges that. Sometimes it's really scary for people. Sometimes um, they think there's only one right way to live life and they try to do that even if it doesn't work very well for them. But that's what we've learned over the years. Um, Our society doesn't really support this part of us. It doesn't encourage it. Our, Our parenting is based primarily on controlling children's behavior so they behave, so they're good girls and good boys. And this is a different way of living. There's a... Um, we have these opportunities. I call them the why and the road that we experience often many times a day. It's it's a choice, and it's a free choice to everybody. It's not an easy choice for everybody. Some people are eager about it, and other people are more cautious until they have some of their own good experiences with it. Mm-hmm. Can I read you one more poem? Oh, Sure. Okay. This one's called Home at Last. And this one really speaks from the voice of our sense of self. Um, I'm in here now. Can you tell? It's kind of fun. There's room for me here, all the room I need, in fact. I can stretch and grow all I want to, or I can curl up and rest, or hide when I need to, because sometimes I still need to hide. Thanks. Thanks for giving me a home a place I'm wanted and needed and noticed and listened to. I've needed that for a long time. It's dark in here, though, the dark before the dawn, perhaps, but just like the early dawn when the sun promises to rise, my own light begins to shine and I begin to wiggle and giggle. (laughs) That's great. I love that. Oh, I can feel that giggling and wiggling. We need a little wiggle room. We definitely do. For people that don't maybe think any way that they've ever had maybe some some of the more noticeable experiences that you've talked about with yourself, Sandra, or heard a voice or just had that real strong intuition, what can they do to start to notice that sense of self? Because it is in all of us, as you said. What mm-hmm. are maybe just simple ways that they can start to, to notice it? Taking time alone, I think, helps a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me, slowing down, uh, particularly slowing down the transitions in our life so that we... Um, We don't hop out of bed in the morning and run to work and then run to the gym and then run home and have dinner and run to bed. You know, we're so busy. If we slow that down and ease the transitions between activities a little bit, 
it gives us a little wiggle room. If we take some time alone and um, downtime, not time to get the chores done, but downtime to uh, perhaps journal. Maybe we start with what am I feeling right now? Certainly noticing our feelings is one of the first ways into the sense of self that most people notice. Um, Or their body might talk to them. A lot of people fight their body and try to control it and whip it into shape. Instead, if you listen to your body, you know, what is is that headache saying to you? What... um, Hold on to that. We're, it's time for our break, but uh, listeners, stay with us. We're going to be right back and hear some more about how we can tap into that sense of self. We'll be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive! Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Here on Unity FM, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you are seeking? Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery@unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Finding Our Sense of Self. And my guest is Sandra Felt, F-E-L-T. Sandra is a licensed clinical social worker in private practice in Colorado Springs. And for 30 years, Sandra has worked with individuals who are in recovery from addictions and healing from trauma of all kinds. She conducts workshops and speaks nationally on the issue of sense of self and it's this deep topic that sense of self is that deep layer uh, that's our core that uh, we can really get to as we get into recovery and begin growing. Sandra is also a survivor herself of childhood trauma and she really does know from the inside out as well as from her professional work what it means to claim the sense of self. Sandra is writing a book 
that is called Beyond the Good Girl Jail, When You Dare to Really Listen to Yourself. And so if you're interested in a copy of that book when it is published, please email Sandra at sandrafelt, that's S-A-N-D-R-A-F-E-L-T, at questoffice.net, and quest is Q-W-E-S-T, office.net, and she can give you that information when the book comes out. So, Sandra, before the break, you were telling us about some ways that people can begin to feel that sense of self, and you were talking about the importance of the body and not fighting with your body. So what else can you tell us about that and uh, how we can get in touch with that sense of self? Well, this, of course, is what my book is all about. Um, The first step is... Well, it's a long process. It's really a lifelong, evolving kind of process of gradually claiming what fits us and letting go what does not fit us. So that includes all areas of our life. It includes character defects, you know. Those are not really part of our self. Those are like sandbags hanging on our shoulder that we can let go of when we're ready to... Um, see them as something that does not fit us and be able to let them go. So that's claim what fits and let go what is not fit, what does not fit us. Out of that experience, um, our boundaries evolve, our integrity in, evolves. Gradually we go into listening to our own voice and what I call our own personal dance with life. Um, but the early stages are recognizing our sense of self and beginning to listen to it. And there are many, many things to listen to, but it's, it's inside. It's not about other people. We, we listen to our deep need for safety, for example. That's a really basic place that a lot of people start. Anything that helps us feel safer is going to help us be more in touch with our sense of self. So I call it the teddy bear phenomenon. It's like it doesn't have to be locks on the doors and a and a big dog. It might be a teddy bear. It might be a blankie. Those are things that children use. So whatever helps us feel safer. Listening to our feelings is a big area because our feelings are uh, really an important expression of the sense of self. Listening to our body. Rather than, like I said, trying to whip it into shape and make it do what we really want it to do, push it and pull it all over the place, but what fits our body, what doesn't. Listening to our time alone, what do we do with our time alone? Can we let down? Do we feel safe? Can we journal? How do we check in with ourselves? What's going on inside and how we're reacting to the things that are happening in our environment? Listening to our core beliefs. Our core beliefs are the way that we talk to ourselves, the things that we say over and over and over again. And it might be, I am stupid. I'll never be able to make a success of anything. Well, that's not a real helpful um, core belief, and that's not coming from our sense of self because it's negative and, and destructive for us. So we can listen to those, find out what they are, and and begin to um, reinterpret the data so that we get to more honest beliefs. Listen to our choices. That's one of the easiest things to do is to make conscious choices. 
Okay, I, I suggest sometimes starting with the junk mail, saying, I choose to throw away this piece of junk mail because everybody can do that choice and they can do it consciously. Or I choose to drive a different way home from work today. Or I choose to spend this time taking a nap. It doesn't matter what we're doing, but emphasizing the choice helps us see that why in the road that's bigger where we can either shut down our sense of self or listen to it. Um, so that's kind of a summary of the whole thing. As we grow stronger on the inside, our sense of self becomes more solid. We become more loving, more caring um, about things, more generous. It's, it doesn't make us selfish. You, you would think it would, but actually as we strengthen our own sense of self, we recognize that in other people as well and can relate to other people from our sense of self rather than just focusing on them. So it affects our our ability to parent in a way that encourages the development of a sense of self in children. certainly affects our ability to be intimate with other people as well. And most of all, we feel alive. That's the fun part. But whatever, we feel alive. So I ask questions. Open-ended questions tend to open our brain a little bit. Like, do you dare to come fully alive? You need your sense of self to do that. What could be possible if you let yourself know your deepest truth? Do you want to know your truth, no matter what it is? So an attitude of curiosity helps a lot. That way we can be curious about what could be around the next corner rather than be so judgmental. Most of us tend to be very judgmental. Um, of ourselves as well as of other people and differences, other ways of living. And just be curious. I wonder why this person thinks such and such is so important. I wonder what would happen if I do this instead of that. It's the way children learn naturally. They experiment. They, they try things and see what happens. And they don't judge them. They fall down, they get up, and they try a different way because that one didn't work. So if we listen for that little voice within, it's absolutely amazing what can become possible for us. Um, It's pretty exciting, actually. Is it ever too late? Is it ever like uh, too far down the road here? We'll never find my sense of self. Oh, never, never, never. Absolutely not. It doesn't matter. I mean, what what if you're 95? <laughs> Just think how much that would mean to finally feel something inside before the day you die. You know, there is something in there, and it's painful to live our life focused on other people all the time, trying to trying to please them and just follow the rules, get by. Uh, people get depressed. They get discouraged. Things don't seem worth the effort. But when our motivation comes from inside of us, it's a whole different world. And it can be fun. I know that, as you said earlier today, that some of the things you do that are expressive of yourself is you make music, you play in the bluegrass band, and you also 
write poetry. Would you share with us another poem? I sure will. Uh, this is one of my personal favorites because it's the image that I have for my own aliveness. And it's it's just been fun. It's another thing. I'll tell you the story about it because it kind of describes the em, uh, emerging of the sense of self, too. Um, I love daffodils. I have always loved daffodils in the springtime. They're often the first flower that comes out, and they're so bright-colored coming out of the gray earth at that time of year. And for years, I had said, I come alive with the daffodils in the spring. And I just, I always laughed about that and um, diminished its importance, you know, just like I always called my poems little ditties. They really weren't poems. (laughs) It took me a long time to claim them. Um, But then I had an experience that kind of tied all this together. Um, I was at a workshop, and it was um, kind of an awareness workshop, at least that's what it was for me. And I started feeling all these little daffodil spirits around, like like the daffodils were there with me. They were happy and giggly and uh, somehow supporting me. And again, I thought I was probably crazy, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. And then what happened, um, we walked through a labyrinth as the last experience in the workshop. And when I started walking that labyrinth, I felt like I was dancing in the daffodils, like a whole field of daffodils in the spring, and I was just dancing through them. And out of that experience came this poem and this image of my own personal aliveness. And it's Wonderful. Called, it's called Dancing in the Daffodils. All right, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Coming fully alive as the sun peeks over the edge and spring creeps around the corner, the daffodils poke through the crust. They can do no other, for it is their personal mission to brighten the earth as the cold gray melts away once again. It's what they do because it's who they are. Then, when the time is just right, those dainty sun-yellow teacups burst forth their healing glow, and the daffodil spirits begin to wiggle and giggle and smile. And I dance, dance in the daffodils, in my long flowing arms to the music I hear. It's what I do, because it's who I am, and I can do no other. Sandra, thank you so much. Our time is up. You have blessed us. Your very presence just uh, is so gentle and loving and solid and strong, and you just convey that sense of self. Thank you for being in the world, and thank you for being who you are and for shining so beautifully. And Thanks for joining us here on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you. It's been my privilege. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. 
This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Rev. Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Warning. After listening to the Oneness Program, Fridays at 11 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, people have reported feeling a profound stillness in body and mind that continues well into the weekend. Others have found that their internal quiet is matched by a flow and ease in relationships and daily activities. Join Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel for the Oneness Program and experience the Oneness Blessing. Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central Time, on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. 